welcome to the Breath of Fresh Tea podcast. Well, hello. Welcome to um, this week's episode of the Breath of Fresh Tea podcast. Um, how is everyone today? I'm knackered. Um, let's keep doing these stupid challenges for like run 5k, run 10k. Um, I want to go back to bed. So. <laughs> <laughs> Martin, how are you doing? Yeah, all good. Um, had a bit of a lazy morning. Um, got my needs felt and everything. So yeah, it's been a really good morning. <laughs> a lazy bottom Sunday that I've always dreamed of. So I'm just really happy with it. So I'm knackered in a different way. Yeah. Oh, Is that another challenge for, for Leon? Yeah, I've set him a challenge. Mum, if you're listening, it's not what you think it is. So. <laughs> exactly what. Uh, what about you, Jay? How have you been? Yeah, good. Um, it's been a lazy week, to be honest. Um, had a very chilled day today. Went to some shopping. Um, funny you say about those challenges, Leon. I've, I've had about 15 tags in those 5K challenge tags. <laughs> and I haven't been for a run yet. So I'm like desperately trying to put it off. I know I'm going to have to at some point. Surely you'll kill it. I've had um, the headstand, handstand challenge where you've got to put on a T-shirt. I've just been tagged in that. Um, and my mate from work did it. And he had... I don't know how he did it. He had his little boy, like, was kind of crawling underneath him. I was just like, how the fuck, A, how are you doing this? And B, I'll be shitting myself. So I think you're just going to fall on the kid. Wow. But um, I don't know if I'm going to go with that one, to be honest. I yeah, might I'm just it and just say I did it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Well, um, yeah, for this week, um, I sort of, we all had a chat about what we'd, thought we could maybe talk about and um, thought we'd maybe sort of go into um, LGBT nightlife, um, our sort of personal experiences, favourite places or venues or parties. Um, and yeah, at some point we were, I did a, a, a chat with one of our friends um, um, who's a DJ and on the sort of LGBT scene and, and music producer and thought we you know, ask him some questions and I'm not, he thought the scene, um, how the scene is doing. Um, so, I mean, sort of first off, what, I mean, what are your personal experiences from, um, you know, going out, um, you know, to LGBT bars or clubs? Well, I think as like personally, probably and for all of us, we are just missing going out um, in general. Um, it's just something we all enjoy. Um on a weekend after our sport and activities, just to let our hairs down and just, just, just go for it and just do what we want. Um, and there's like favorite places to go. And my one that I miss the most is, um, and it, it was gone before quarantine was Savage, um, um, a club called Metropolis. Um, and that place was just, just off the hook. It was so good. It was gay. Um, you could do what you want in there just, just have the best time of your life. So I miss that place, but just going out in general for me is what I'm missing the most. Yeah. Yeah. A few certain few people like to get topless in Savage, from what I remember. Last <laughs> 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 time. I wasn't the only person who was topless, so I'm just going to put that out there. So, um, <laughs> what about you, Joe? Um, I think similar to mine. I think... Um, just missing kind of just even it doesn't have to be a nightclub just missing going out to uh pubs bars um i don't know i don't really have like um dep- obviously my track record i think um would probably show that i'm a bit of a heaven queen 
I was going to uh, say. You've been doing that for about 20 years, Han, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, my track record was so that I'm a heaven queen, but I don't see myself that way. Um, but I do actually miss it. I think it's like, um, obviously, it's quite not controversial, but a lot of people, some people hate it. A lot of people um, obviously enjoy it and go quite a bit. But I think it's just one of those easy places you could go uh, with as many people as you like. Um, and as long as like, I'm kind of the kind of person that just likes to spend time with good, fun people. And you can go pretty much anywhere and have a good time, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like one of those easy places where you could like have, have decent music in one room or and you have these options of what room you want to go into. And as long as you've got like decent people, you're guaranteed to have a decent night. That's one thing that struck me about London, like the size of that queue trying to get in when mm. it's headed all the way probably towards Camden, if it's going that far. It's like so... So far, and that's put me off a few times. But if you know the right people, then you can get snuck in, and it's actually a good night. Uh, I'm also, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I am ashamed of this, but hashtag not ashamed. Um, I've also got a gay card as well. So I mean, I what's don't the gay card? I don't know. Yeah, I did not know this. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, they do gay cards for uh, for platinum gays. Wow. <laughs> 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 um, I think you have to like go on like um, a particular night, to, like GY late. Which is obviously um, an experience in itself, so you probably earn it by by the time you're done with that night. Um, and then you get like you get given a card, like a membership card, and you could get a queue jump for heaven. What year did you get yours, Jay? What year? Uh, 1933. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say you've been around the block. <laughs> you can be found there. What Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. Oh, he now pitches out the hair cards. He's one of them. You know yeah. what? I think my first experience, I'm trying to think, I went to the Two Brewers, probably my first London Coven experience. Um, I won't say when because it will age me dramatically. <laughs> um, but that was like, yeah, I actually thought it was kind of like trashy but fun in a good way. Uh, yeah. But this was like a long, long time ago. And obviously, been been back there since. Heaven, I kind of like as well, but I'm not here for the queues at all. I mean, you know when you see him sneaking by snaking past there, Trafalgar Square. Yeah. Mm, um. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's quite, like I think it's quite interesting. I I ne- I haven't been to a gay. Well, I've been to like in Stoke where I went to uni. Been to there was like two gay bars. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, there's, there was one. There's a gay club called Pink. Sort of slightly tragic name, but. Uh, mm-hmm. That was quite good fun. Had really good drag queen DJ. Um, and then there used to be this place, I think it was called The Bar. Um, and basically you would pay, I can't remember how much it was, but it really wasn't a lot. And you got in with a wristband and that was just, it was like free drinks all night with the wristband. So it would just be like messy. Um, uh, but it was actually really good fun. But I mean, then coming down to London was just like a massive eye opener for, you know, the variety of, of nights you could have. Um, and in fact, the first time I tried to go to a gay bar or club in London was with um, my friend Matt, the, the Matt who's kindly helped to edit our the sound um, and some of his mates, and we got turned away for not being gay enough. Oh no! Um, yeah. Are you uh, members? It was proper like it was so savage. I was like, I was yeah, I was probably like you shocked. have to prove yourself and get down on your knees or anything. <laughs> <laughs> the dread. Well, have you been there before, or do you know? What yeah, they literally yeah. like. I remember they just said. I'm pretty sure they just said, "No, you don't look. You, your group doesn't look like you're gay enough." We were just like, "What?" And I think there was probably 
two out of like six of us who um, were straight and then the others were, everyone else was either bi or bisexual or gay. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was a really, it was just such an odd experience. Um, but I genuinely haven't been back since then. I haven't been to GAY. Um, but I've never actually been into GAY. Um, I've no, I've never been either. Um, but I definitely agree with you, uh, Martin, like um, Savage at Metropolis. Oh, so much fun. So much fun. Bring her back. I think they're yeah. doing some kind of nights in different venues that is like Savage as the you know, DJ set. Um, no, no, they've gone uh, abroad. Doing, uh, they've gone, European oh, I swear they're going to the Troxy for maybe one. I don't know. We um, started doing another another sort of gay or queer night on a Friday night, um, which I was reading about sort of about a month before lockdown. The Million Dollar um, Baby one, is that? Is that I that think one? so. I mean, it's meant to be like a bit more sort of um, alternative in terms of music and stuff. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd, I'd be definitely here for, for checking that out when it's, when things are, Back to the way they were. Um, but I mean, what um, have you had any sort of what do you think it is about gay bars and, and clubs that, you know, drives us to go to them? You know, why? why I, I mean, I always have like an amazing time, but I was trying to think about, about what it is specifically that makes it be so much fun. Um, I'll, jump, I'll jump in, but I think the first one I went to was in Exeter. It's called The Vaults or The Vault. It was basically like the size of your living room and they had like a massive mirror in there to make it look a lot bigger. Um, and I, was, I wasn't actually out, but I was seeing a guy, so I was there with him. Um, and it was like the first time, well, before we went in, I was like, am I going to get like touched up or what's the rules in a gay club? I was that inexperienced and like had that many stereotypes as well. As soon as I went in there, I was like, everyone was just in there, happy, having a fun time, there was no drama, people being themselves, being authentic. And I was able to kiss a guy for the first time, like in a public place without any, you know, comeback or, you know, comments or anything like that. I think that's the biggest draw to start with when we're all young, isn't it? That we, we, we're going to try a gay bar to probably kiss someone, you know, in a public place. For me, like my first um, place that I went to, I just turned 18. Um, Birmingham was on my doorstep. So there was like a big enough gay scene to try it out. Um, so I went to a place called Nightingales with a few friends for a friend of a friend's birthday. So I went there. So Nightingale. that's what happens in this venue. Well, that's in really this venue, <laughs> I, you know, wanted to try all things gay. So um, I did. Um, and what I did, um, so it was really loud in there. I got my phone out, uh, approached this guy that I fancied, and he was looking at me, so I know he did. Um, but it was so loud that I couldn't talk to him. So I, um, on my phone, text him like, um, give me a blowjob in the toilet <laughs> and he nodded and then took me and that's what happened so, yeah you go gay bars I love this place 18, yeah. so, um, that was my fun first experience at 18 yeah oh yeah no, that was uh, fun and that's Birmingham Nightingales is massive it's like for me it was just like this is like a, a dreamland I, I lost all my friends uh, quotation marks lost them so <laughs> yeah. do my things because I was just with girls and they're all straight um, so it's like, nah, fuck this, I'm going to do my own thing. You um, weren't out at the time, though. No, God, no. Um, but I felt out in that place, and it just felt like a, you know, a safe place to do what I wanted to do. So that's the first draw of going to gay bars, is to try all these things and kiss men and suck dick. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
be frank. Um, but for now, it's just it's just a place where we can all literally be ourselves in our thirties, just enjoy ourselves. Who knows what's going to happen? And that's why we like it. Yeah, fair enough. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, Martin. There, just it's about safe spaces, right? Um, it's about like just being able to kind of be your authentic self without being judged. Um, I think like. I used to go to straight clubs all the time. Like, we grew up uh, predominantly around like straight mates and going clubbing and, and going to bars and stuff with them uh, was fun at the time. But until you go to a gay bar, until you kind of realise what an actual safe space or a, a welcoming, fun environment looks like, then you, you won't really go back. So I mean, like, you don't have fights, you don't have people um, perving over over women. This is why like, a lot of women also... Um, a lot of cishet women uh, also go to, to gay bars because they feel like it's even a safe space for them to just be able yeah. to have a good time, um, get waved, and and just not have to worry about being um, being credited on. Um, well, you can get those like um, predatory straight Hindu women bitches that I just hate, but <laughs> I do enjoy the straight ally women that are just there for a good time. You know, yeah. you, got, you got a bit of both, but the majority are. Uh, nice ones that just want a safe space. I get ones that. where they've kind of come on a Hindu and it's more about uh, the spectacle of seeing guys kissing. Like, yeah. you know, like, why are you here? You're not really contributing to the venue or the aesthetic or, you know, the meaning behind it. But yeah, yeah that's, it. that's a different side to it, isn't it? It's like we're in a cage being watched and just like, oh, no, I get it, take his top off and all of that. So yeah. like, the time to play is, you know, my own time. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think, no, on the whole, it's been pretty positive for me when I've seen straight straight women in there they're always you know contributing towards it and want to be part of it and yeah and i think a couple of my friends one of them uh, she said to me a while ago she's like oh, i used to love going to clubbing but she goes it gets towards the end of the night and then she'd be mm-hmm. upset that no man had actually tried it on with her and then she'd be like oh, oh. Shit, you know, i'm in an lgbt venue so it's, not <laughs> it's a reverse of how we <laughs> yeah. felt in a straight place and we're like oh it's come to the end of the night i need to find a gay bar and go find <laughs> yeah um, I was like, I must have been like 18, uh, 18, yeah, I think I was 18. Um, and I remember I met this guy online, um, I think it was like ladslads.com. Lads, yes, lads, lads. lads. <laughs> <laughs> if you know, you know. I was cool. <laughs> um, that's probably, that's actually the site that we met on, was lads, lads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but then we met up for a drink. We like he he was lot he was a lot older than me, I think. Um, we met up for a drink with like him and his mates. Um, and I was actually like I was so so shook. I was like terrified. Obviously, like, I weren't. I don't think I was out at this point. Um, and then I remember going along and just being absolutely like shook to bits. Um, I remember having a good time, but um, and actually I, I remember we had a good time and I went back to his um, had a bit of fun. And then I never heard back from him like ever again. Like he fully ghosted me. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize at the time, but like looking back on it now, I was like, oh, that really, really did affect me. Um, and that's but, like your first experience as well. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. Like, my first experience. Yeah, I didn't fancy him or anything. Like he wasn't even like he he wasn't like my type or anything. But um, but it was good. Like we went to heaven, um, and it was fun. I just remember being like like really, really scared for one strange reason. Um, that someone was going to see me. But then at the time, like, you don't really think rationally. You're just like, if someone sees me in a gay club, that means they're gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but yeah, at the time, you don't really think rationally like that. But it was good. It was good other than the fact that I got ghosted. What a um, lesson, isn't it? So. <laughs> have, you, have any of you had, like, 
bad experiences in, I mean, obviously, you know, we've all had amazing sort of fun nights and things, but there have been times where, you know, you've, you've had sort of bad experience um, in gay bars or gay clubs or, you know, a night that's sort of not, for want of a better word, left a sour taste in your mouth. Two, which one I kind of alluded to a couple of weeks ago is when a guy thought it was okay to just go and touch you, and rub his hand out my back. Wasn't here for that. And it seemed to be kind of an accepted thing. Yeah. Like, from the reactions of the people around me, they're like, oh yeah, it happens all the time. And I've seen it happen to someone else. And I know there are other stories within our, our friendship group where they've experienced the same thing as well. And it's, yeah, I'm not here for it. Uh, but yeah, the most positive thing about it is, and I always go back to it, is that Bolt's been able to kiss a guy for the first time. So Yeah. But um, overall, luckily, we don't see too many instances of people trying to take advantage of others. Um, or doing things that they shouldn't really be doing. Uh, it's still kind of overwhelmingly positive for me. Yeah. I mean, I I, just, I know I've had one incident of, of many times of going to like gay bars and someone thought it was okay to, to try and grab my dick whilst I was having a slash in, a, in the urinal. Oh. Um, and um, I think, you know, I was obviously quite shocked and uh, it was, you know, completely inappropriate. And I think one slight positive from that was it like you know even no matter who I, you know i spoke to people about it and everyone was so shocked and it was something that happens hopefully so rarely um but it is in general i think you know lgbt bars and venues and clubs are such safe spaces that when something like that does happen it is such a shock because it you know hopefully it is such a rarity and, and you know when people in general are so friendly um and supportive um so yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it was it wasn't it wasn't a very pleasant experience, but it was definitely something that was completely out of the norm, and um, you know, it's been far outweighed by the amazing times that we've we've all had from from going out together. Yeah, uh, just to add to that as well, I think in agreement with you as well, uh, Leon. Um, there's one particular place where this, this always happens. Uh, it's a particular venue in South London. I'm not going to name it because I don't want to expose anyone, but. Every single time I go to this venue, without fail, um, at li- like so many people just like grope you or, or whatever. I don't know if that happens to everyone, but it's definitely always happens to me. Um, but one particularly bad experience that I had in this, and I don't like going to South London anyway at the best of times. I'm an East kid and I like staying East, uh, east or Central. But um, when, uh, there was one time when I was at this uh, particularly gay LGBT venue in South London. Um, and I think it was like one of the first times I ever went there and I was in the smoking area um, and I was, having a, I was having a chat with one of this guy um, and then I don't know how he got on to uh, talking about sort of racism but sadly we did um, and I remember he said to me um, I think we got onto the, the topic of, of slavery which is obviously a, a very upbeat wow. yeah. <laughs> um, and then he tried to justify slavery by saying that white people didn't invent slavery <laughs> what the fuck? Right. Oh my god! Um, yeah, you're like, yeah, it's time to exit this conversation. Yeah, I'm, like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna bounce. I'm gonna go back to it now. <laughs> yeah, but um, that would be great. All kinds of madness there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not my favourite place. <laughs> On a lighter note, I think um, in terms of bad experiences, a venue I won't name. Um, probably the sweatiest experience I've ever encountered where I remember seeing a guy who was wearing glasses and they'd steamed up. He couldn't actually see anymore. Oh, <laughs> um, 
<laughs> had aircon units, but they just weren't. They, they just didn't want to turn them on for some reason. <laughs> and then it was like humid as fuck outside, and it was, uh, the music was amazing. But Jesus Christ, like never again. Yeah. I mean, I think we've. Well, I, I know I've had some personal experiences of uh, getting a bit sweaty and um, some gay nights. But I don't know if you were you all there when we went to um, see Horsemeat Disco at. Well, in fact, I mean, <laughs> several times in the Eagle, I've been a sweaty mess just because it can get seriously hot in there for for um, Horsemeat Disco, but also when they played at Oval Space. Uh, that's what I was referring to, but I was trying not to name names. No, no, no. They need to sort their aircon out. It was oh, yeah. I mean, like, I've been to Oval Space loads of times before and they have had the aircon on, so I don't know when it was broke. I don't know what it was this time, but that was just so bad. Yeah, it's like I literally walking into the room was just like getting a slap in the face with heat. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, that was a really good night, though. I, I, yeah, I so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how much of a creature I am because um, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> a, part of, a part of the East London and me like really loved sweaty venues. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, I mean, I don't mind a sweaty club, but it was just on another level of, uh, yeah. Like, um, I mean, I know Ollie uses it as an excuse to take his top off, but it's December, Ollie. It's, it's December. <laughs> I think we're having like an Indian summer work release. This is like November. <laughs> so it was so hot. I also remember it's quite embarrassing that like I was dancing and because we sort of moved a little bit closer to the front. I was having my top off um, and I was sweaty, but I mean, everyone was sweaty. And I remember like a girl walked past me and sort of brushed against me and just went, ew. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, bitch. Ew. <laughs> so bad. Like, <laughs> I just couldn't help it though. It was so hot. Um, <laughs> it was an embarrassing moment. Good night though. Can you imagine like quarantine clubbing, like having everyone like, two meters apart on the dance floor and, and things like yeah. that? Yeah. So, I mean, that's something I wanted to sort of come on to really is um, obviously everything is all changed now. I know it's people are probably a bit fed up of talking about it, but it's not, you know, unfortunately it has such, such a big impact on everyone's lives. And, um, you know, in, in terms of, sort of clubbing and LGBT venues, um, you know, it's something that's completely sort of turned it on its head. Um, I know some places, so I think I've seen some nights are doing like, um, you know, online streams of DJs and I know like, I think Sync the Pink have done like pub quiz and so places are trying to adapt, but, um, you know, what do you think is going to happen um, with, you know, sort of nightlife really going forward? It's a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, from the government modelling, they're saying that entertainment's going to be the last thing to open. So we're probably looking at maybe next year, just based on the success um, with like, you know, your key stuff opening up bit by bit. I think there's probably just going to be an online revival. Um, you know, people having more of those house raves. And if they do relax the restrictions in terms of like, you know, the Belgium thing where they've said you can hang around with 10 friends, but it has to be the same 10 friends. Yeah. We might be doing, you know, like little mini group gatherings like that um, or like nightclub events, house party, but, you know, whatever stream you've got on that's you kind of set for the evening, um, making the best of it, really. I think that's probably where it's heading in terms of, you've seen a lot of like uh, GoFundMe stuff, like I think there's the, the group for queer and people of colour um, hardship funds, which I have just saw pop up on Instagram where they're trying to save uh, or give out funds to uh, entertainers and creatives. Same with like the glory as well. Um, you know, I think more and more places are going to resort to that in terms of trying to 
keep keep the lights on really you're seeing pubs as well doing deliveries or you you can pick up your pints or get them delivered to your door so yeah, i think it'll probably go more of a distance kind of model yeah i mean um it's uh, have you you mentioned obviously about the um the glory and and that's something when we come on to the interview with um adam later we, we sort of briefly touched upon but um you know, there has been um, an article that uh, Vice had done um, earlier this month about the sort of threat to all these LGBT venues um, during this sort of difficult time. And, you know, a lot of them are sort of independent, um, relatively small uh, run companies. And in the article, they specifically mentioned um, the Eagle, uh, sorry, the Glory, which, you know, they're, they're struggling. Um, the cop in Kennington, you know, even um, to a certain extent, GAY, which is you know huge, is saying that they the amount that their rent is is um, insane, and the properties and the different venues that they have, and eventually that's going to catch up on them. And one thing I just wanted to actually plug a little bit, as you mentioned about these sort of GoFundMe, the the Eagle have um, put out uh, something for looking for donations because I think they're struggling, and obviously that's somewhere possibly because it's so close to my house, but I've got it's got a soft spot in my heart for um, you know. Horse meat disco nights. For um, the locals, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd love to hope that there is some like fundraising events after this where we can get our gay clubs back up and running as soon as they can because if we lose them, then we're going to lose a part of us. So it'd be great if we can all get some fundraising going now and into the future for when we can come back into nightlife. Yeah, like uh, going on the creatives, I've seen a uh, DJ slash producer slash Vogue teacher, uh, JJ Revlon. Uh, we're not actually being paid by him to plug this, by the way. I just, uh, I've seen a few classes. He's doing um, online Vogue classes like twice a week. Uh, oh, yeah, amazing. You yeah. did that actually. Have you done any of them? No, there's one on today. Um, I'm going to do my first one at four. Four till six. Are you? Um, cat, 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 cat. Yeah, I'm going for it. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. There's an, a two hours though. That's yeah. a serious workout. Yeah, we'll see how long I last. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine there's a warm up, but there's a platform called Patreon, which is like for all creatives and artists, which they kind of moved to that. So I'll be up for trying it. I mean, I have no knees in terms of like football injuries and stuff, but yeah, go. Um, I suppose on that note, it's probably a good time to um just cut to the um sort of interview that we did with um so it's all of our one of our friends um adam turner who is a um dj producer and an all-around um great guy and uh, he kindly uh, agreed to have a chat to us just about um with his insight into the sort of um that sort of side of the lgbt um sort of venues and um yeah just sort of gave us a bit of a lowdown about what he thinks is going to happen. So, yeah, we'll just go to that now. So, hi. Hi. How are you? Uh, I'm all right, yeah. Um, it's um, I've been listening to this podcast for a couple of weeks, so it's nice to be on it. Get it. So, yeah. Um, Adam, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, how long do you want this to be? I'm joking. Um, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but obviously like, thanks for having me. Um, I've, um, it's, it's a real honor to be on the, be asked to come on the podcast. Um, I've been DJing, um, and producing music, um, for 
about 10, about 10 years. And I started out on the LGBT scene in London um, about 10 years ago. I walked into a bar, um, which was a brand new uh, LGBT bar back then. And I asked if they had a DJ gig and, and it just kind of snowballed from there. But yeah, ultimately, um, I, do, I don't do as, as much as I used to on the LGBT, LGBT scene now. Um, but that's where I started. And yeah. I've, I've um, had some big highlights of my career playing at big events like Mardi Gras in Sydney and uh, you know cities like San Francisco and you know across Europe and stuff. So spent a lot of time on the scene around the world. Yeah, so it's nice to be here. Amazing. Yeah, great. Well, yeah, it's lovely mm-hmm. to have you on. Um, and you know, we had a brief chat before, but obviously the sort of uh, the topic of this week's episode is basically about LGBT nightlife um, and we thought it'd be really helpful um, you know to get your sort of input about what you think the impact of lockdown and and coronavirus might have on the community and you know how it you know if there's any risk of of places closing down or anything like that. Um, Yeah I don't know I mean it's I was actually I was chatting the other day with a a venue owner in Soho here in London um, who was who was talking about how you know they're going through the process of applying for loans and stuff? They've you know they've furloughed their staff. As you know, this isn't just relative to the LGBT community. This is you know they've they've furloughed their staff and um, as many bars and, and pubs have. But they're what they're struggling with is getting a loan you know from the banks because because the government will only back eighty percent at the moment as like as we're talking at the moment, and that's why it's quite high risk for them. So you know ultimately the the industry can't just collapse out of nowhere. Partially, they don't know what the, the future holds in terms of when they'll be able to open again, what the, if there's any, been any restrictions on them when they do open, but also with regards to their rent, um, they've furloughed their staff. Um, but, you know, their rent, um, they may be on a rent holiday, but, it, you know, that's a fee that they're still going to have to pay at some point. You know, the, it's not like the, the rent is being waived. So, you know, it'd be... So, you know, a real, uh, real big loss to lose uh, such a, a great venue, and and also um, a cock as well in um, what's it called? It's only around the corner, Kennington. Kennington yeah. Um, yeah, which again is an amazing place, such a great vibe, um, and they're struggling for the same reasons that they've got um, their a rent holiday, but they know that they're going to have to pay it back at some point. And I suppose you know those places I would have. I always see as being quite sort of like an institution and, you know, you would expect them to be quite safe and solid financially, but it shows that it can have such a, you know, everyone sort of really struggling at the moment. And I think ultimately, you know, LGBT safe spaces, you know, bars and clubs, they are still definitely necessary um, for a lot of people and, you know, having somewhere they feel safe to do whatever they want to do, you know, whether that's meet up with friends, meet new people, um, just feel comfortable in a place they might not feel comfortable in in any other bar, um, and you know I think I think a lot of big venues out there, you know, a lot of them there's a there's a monopoly, and a lot of um, you know non LGBT LGBT places are um, owned by big companies, you know, so ultimately they're going to be fine. But you know, I'm again talking here specifically in London, there are a lot of venues that are independently owned. I know, I, I, as I say, I do know one, um, for instance, has been refused a loan already. So I do struggle. I do struggle to see how some of the independent companies, some of the independent businesses out there, 
LGBT um, businesses will will continue to um, get get past. It depends how long we go on for, but as we say, you know, it looks like we're uh, bars and clubs are probably going to be the last places to reopen. Mm. And you know, there's also there's also um, a flip side to it as well. You know, there, there's one very large independent company here in in London who own a string of LGBT venues. As I say, it is independent though, has some backing from some bigger ones, but um, you know, and that they they trade a lot of money. They have a lot of profit, and they're also complaining about how they're not going to be able to pay their rent, and they want a rent holiday and blah blah blah. And it's kind of it's a flip side because you only see a certain side of it on social media from people having their say. Um, but ultimately, as a, you know, the the point is that's what I'm trying to say is that you know LGBT spaces are still very important for a lot of people, and they are, a lot of them are independently run and owned, and ultimately the independent businesses will be the one that's ones that suffer first here yeah i mean as you as you said i think they they are safe spaces and they're they are hugely important to the community and i know you know some of the best nights we've had out as our, and our group of friends have been going to you know these sort of venues and it's somewhere where you can just feel you know incredibly comfortable and and you know a bit you know just feel like you can enjoy your night without having to worry about anything and um it'd be a real shame if we lose more more venues like like the ones we've mentioned. Um, I mean, for you personally, obviously um, DJing at these venues. I mean, do you are you worried about the impact it might have on on you? And and maybe have you spoken to other DJs about it? Or yeah, I do. I mean, thankfully, I'm I've kind of in the last few years I've moved away from just solely relying on DJing for my income. So I do a lot of work in the studio and. Uh, work part-time for a label now as well. So, I, so I've kind of moved away from it, but I do have friends obviously still in that world who solely rely on um, you know, gig money for, for them. You know, jobbing is like what I call jobbing DJs. People who rely 100% of their income is, is from DJing, which is what I used to be years ago. That's how I started. Um, and I do, yeah, I feel really sorry for those people. And I've spoken to one or two. You know, one is already, you know, he's actually out. He's applied to... Um, work he's he's on his bike doing stuff for delivery because he literally has no other income at all and he's got to pay his bills um so he's found a way of doing it like that but obviously you know that's not his trade that's not his skill his skill is um djing um so yeah i mean as i say for me i'm i'm all right thankfully and i'm very very lucky and i'm exceptionally grateful for you know how my career has gone in the last couple of years and how it's it's moved away from solely relying on that um, stream of income to other stuff now, but yeah, I, you know, I do worry for other people, and uh, you know, ultimately, we we depend on these kind of people, these kind of workers, to um, provide for us in in our in our hours of socialising and leisure when they're working, um, and if they're not supported, obviously, you know, we know that the government has is helping self-employed people from June. But um, you know, if they're not supported by the venues that they work for, and if the venues are struggling, then yeah, there will be a real dearth in terms of you know um, these these workers, which is really sad, really sad. And I feel particularly sorry for any. And I think back to me when I was twenty two, twenty three, not that long ago, are they? Um, <laughs> and <laughs> when when <laughs> you know when I was starting out, and you know, thank you know, I, I did actually graduate from music college into a recession in 2008. Um, but, um, sorry, I, I went to music college in 2008 when there was a global recession. It was really bad. A lot of my friends were graduating out of college then. 
Um, and so if, you know, if, if, we, if this is going to have the long, long-term impact that we think it's going to have, then yeah, you know, if anyone new starting out, it's going to be really tough. And it's, um, I wish I could be more positive about it, but I can't, I can't sorry. Yeah, well, no, I mean, it's unfortunately, that's, that's the, way, the way it is at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. On a, a, a slightly more positive note, and I'm catching you off guard a little bit with this, just because I didn't pre-ask you this, but um, part of the thing that we are talking about on uh, the episode today is um, either um, any memorable experiences from um, nights out at gay clubs, so whether it be something incredibly funny or embarrassing or shady is there anything that springs to mind that has um you know been an experience you'd like to share with us that uh, doesn't have to be with you or anything you've seen or God, i mean you know i've spent the best part of 10 years basically living in in nightclubs so <laughs> it, yeah pretty much so it's kind of it's difficult to have one that springs to mind um i guess i, I guess if we're being positive you know um I can't give you a hilarious... Well, I probably could if I really thought about some sort of hilarious story. Um, I could probably give you a lot of stories I probably shouldn't talk about. But <laughs> nightclubs in general for me were obviously where um, I fell in love with dance music as a punter, but also as a DJ. And, um, you know, I've got incredible, incredibly fond memories of DJing at now. Um, disappeared venues like Area in Vauxhall um, and places like that, which really, like, cemented my love for what I do. Um, I used to play at this night called, well, it was an after party. So you spent 10 a.m. Sunday morning at Beyond, which was an after hours area. And that for me was certainly like, definitely a highlight. Getting my foot on that ladder there was a very memorable experience playing there on, uh, once a month on Sunday mornings. Um, I was resident DJ at Heaven on a Monday night here in London for years, like playing the main stage there to like 800 people every Monday was also insane. I wish I could think of one exceptional memory for you, but they all blur into one, whether that's through lots of it or just generally um, not being in my clearest uh, <laughs> way, of, uh, way of mind. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I mean, yeah, obviously. What about you? Well, I mean, so there uh, was one that I've already sort of mentioned but obviously you might not hear it's um i remember being in um Berghain, which i suppose isn't strictly a um, lgbt um venue but yeah. it's very um sort of gay friendly um and i was with uh two of my mates and basically i remember sort of dancing turning around seeing um a guy on packed dance floor come in on an electric wheelchair and sort of like weaving his way through the crowd and i was like that's amazing that you know um that it it's accessible for people, um, you know, if, if they have a disability. And it's like, turn around, dance for a few seconds, uh, like literally, I would say maximum a minute, and then turn back around. And he made his way to the front of the dance floor. There was a guy in a full gimp suit with his knob hanging out. Um, <laughs> and the guy in the electric wheelchair was holding his this guy's knob in one hand and licking his armpit in the other hand. <laughs> um, and I was oh, like, wow. yeah, you know, it's like, <laughs> this guy has been in the club for maximum two or three minutes and um yeah <laughs> I, I had to take my hat off to him i was like fair enough yeah well, um, you suppose didn't take more off for him but yeah no that's um <laughs> that's that is certainly a that was in Berghain in berlin yeah so um yeah, yeah i mean that's that was one of my most memorable experiences wow. but yeah we've asked some people to send in uh some of theirs so hopefully we'll get some gold that comes through yeah well i'll tell you what if i can think of one between now and the airing of uh, this episode then i'll um then I'll text it to you and you can fill people in at a later time. Yeah, definitely, definitely. 
Cool. Well, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us. Um, I'm looking forward to lockdown ending so we can actually have a face-to-face reunion. Um, Absolutely. Zoom is fun, but yeah, it'd be, it'd be good just to, to properly hang out. Yeah, we'll get there. Remain positive, we'll get there. Exactly. Cool. Well, yeah, take care. Cheers, Adam. Thanks. Bye. Welcome to the Breath of Fresh Tea podcast. What a great piece. Love oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Adam. That was obviously, you know, great. And I hope, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's quite interesting just to get a different take from it. Because obviously we, you know, we all like going to LGBT venues and having fun. But I suppose for him, it's part, it's part of his work um, and his career. So, you know, it's, it's interesting to see the impact that it had. It's really insightful from him um, and just how, how he is coping with the D- as a DJ and not being able to go to all these places because he travels the world like to some glorious places to do what he loves to do. Yeah. Um, and if he can keep doing that and trying to bring up new tracks for his label and stuff, that'd be great for him and for us and all of the community. So just yeah. keep going. Yeah. It's important to support people like himself because you don't want us to disappear or when we do go back to some sort of semblance of normality, we still have at least the venue and the artist, you know, to, to support and go to. Yeah. Um, as at the end of that, um, we sort of talked about uh, sort of any memorable experiences from um, from gay bars. Um, do any of you have, I mean, I mentioned about the one with the, the guy in Bergheim getting his armpit licked. Um, do you have any, I've got a few others I can share, but um, do you have any other personal favourites or cringe moments that you've uh, experienced in gay bars? Um, I think my most favourite slash dumb bitch one is uh, a certain Jay uh, asking you how your eyes worked when you turned them on and off when you were just opening them and closing them. But what was the real reason? <laughs> can, I, can, I, <laughs> can I just clarify uh, for the listeners? Um, so Ollie was wearing, um, what was it, Ollie? Was it like? I think just, it was like some sort of glow in the dark eye face makeup, like eye makeup. Um, I was waved at this point. Um, I was very, very waved. <laughs> uh, we were at a venue uh, and there was strobe lighting in the room and it kept on going, like strobing onto Ollie's face. So to me, uh, to a very <laughs> drunk me, it looked like Ollie was like, because Ollie was having a good time at this point as well. So it looked like he planned this all. <laughs> so I was like, Ollie, how the hell are you doing that to your face? Um, and it looked incredible. So I just thought it was uh, something that he it was part of his like uh, fancy dress outfit, but it's one of the best things I've ever seen in a club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the madness of what is going on. The fact that someone caught that on uh, cool footage of it as well is going to haunt me for the rest of my life. I think. Yeah, yeah, um, it's quite damning because it goes on for some time. I was just like, I don't, I don't know what you mean. You're like, how do you do it? How are you doing it? <laughs> how are you doing that? How? How are you turning your eyes on and off? We actually have a couple of submissions on uh, yeah. nightclub experiences. Oh, yeah, let's hear these. So do you want me to start with the good or the bad? Oh, I see how you feel. Okay, it's good. Bad it is, bad. Bad, bad. Okay, give me one sec. I'm just going to jump into it. And yeah, just jump in and let me know your thoughts on this story. Oh, so, messy. Anon, it's obviously anonymous, so it just says, I'm a gay man. Once in a get, one time in a gay bar, a man came over to me. 
and he gave me his business card of his dentist. And he said, he, he said he'd recommend that I go because if I got my teeth sorted, I'd be fit. I was oh. so shocked by it and I couldn't really react. Eventually I did get braces, but it was for my own self-esteem, not because he told me to. I know gays, some gays can be horrible at times, but I think it came from a place of his own insecurities. Um, actually, I do feel sorry for him in the end. Wow. <clears throat> I mean, go on, Jay. Whoever wrote that in is a better person than I. Um, it sounds like they've uh, <laughs> they've uh, gone through a forgiveness phase, but I think that just highlights just how uh, how mean and petty um, some people within the community can be. Right? It's just the audacity and the uh, the balls of it to go up to someone and say that to uh, to someone who who could have been in any position or any point in their lives, and that could have like really affected somebody. Uh, but hold tight them. It sounds like they're a very obviously confident person who's uh, who's confident within themselves to be able to share that with us. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. And yeah, I mean, uh, that is, particularly as we mentioned about sort of gay venues being somewhere as a safe space, I'm sure that, you know, it's almost like a double blow for someone to, I mean, it'd be horrible to experience that anywhere, but I'm sure they were probably, might have been enjoying their night, you know, feeling comfortable and like accepted for who they are. And then someone... Yeah, feel it's appropriate to go and do that to them is yeah, it's horrible. I think you, you probably get some people doing that in LGBT venues because they might have come from being bullied all your life, or you know, particularly LGBT people get that, and then you suddenly find a place of acceptance. But then you kind of uh, you know recreate those behaviours on other people, and then you become not you in particular, but you become a bully uh, because you were once bullied. You know, you kind of invoke those same sort of mean things onto other people from your own insecurities and. Yeah, as you say, Jay, he's a bigger person than I am. I mean, I've been shocked from a few things in my life, but I think that one wouldn't have gone down so well. Right. <laughs> How self-entitled is that as well from the, for the guy to be like, oh, yeah, um, if you do this, you would be even better looking in my eyes. Like, who's, yeah. who's like we're not here to be uh, appeasing you or to be uh, your level of, your, your desired level of attraction. Like, nobody's here for you. Um, right. I also throw out who carries a business card of their dentist. <laughs> I mean, that's probably purely for this reason to just throw it at them and just be like, sort your teeth out. And it's just not, no, it's not great. Yeah, that's an ugly personality trait. And to probably spin a cliche, I mean, beauty is subjective and, you know, you want to have that own internal confidence of regardless of how you look. But an ugly personality is much more of a deterrent, right? So, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, Next I've got one. a yeah, the good one. Give us a good, good one. one. Okay, so um, I got spectacularly drunk at a club in Brighton, and then came the urge to vomit. Rather than go to the toilet like a normal person, I ran out of the club to get some fresh air. I got outside, and I knew it was going to happen. I ran across the road to a grassy area with bushes and hid under a bush, violently vomiting, but discreetly. The relief was great. That was until I felt something warm on my arm. I looked up and saw as I was on all fours at this point, in the middle of a very busy Brighton, being pissed on by a homeless man. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I can't do in there personally, but... Um, God, poor thing. That's funny, but just tragic and gross. How opportunistic of the homeless man? Like, what? Is he just, like, <laughs> waiting for that time to shine? <laughs> Can anyone compare with that kind of experience? Um, no, but I did. I have one of uh, someone who I used to 
date, their friend went to um, a, I think it was like a, a sort of sex club night um and they slipped down some metal stairs because there was lube all over the place (laughs) and they broke their leg but they were wearing like a leather harness um so they had to go to a and e because i think it was quite bad like it's in a full full length plaster cast but i had to go to a and e in a leather harness Um, oh my god the dangers of lube people Was this by, is this in Berlin by any chance? Because it comes no, it somewhere in London. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, mean, I thought that was quite quite spectacular. Oval by any chance, I mean, I don't, I, I don't actually know the venue of the club. Um, I mean, to be honest, I've never been to a. I mean, I've been to Bergheim, which has a dark room, but I've never been to like a sex club type. I went, my, I went to my first dark room when we went to Paris um, with Stonewall uh, for the gay games, the world gay games. And they had a dark room in the club that was the, the main club for all the athletes. I'm like, of course they have a gay room here. So I'm like, let's let's go in there. Me and Liam, we both went in. Hold I don't on. think quite a few there of us There was about 10 of us in there. Not, and, weren't having Audi, by the way. And then, <laughs> I remember Liam saying to me as well, like, is that, wait, is that two of our friends over there? And that's when we got scared and ran away. scary. <laughs> 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 give you um, a little patchet of lube and um, a condom before you go in, which is nice to know. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, very smoky, weirdly enough, as well. So. <laughs> I used to uh, I used to go to Berlin Pride every year, pretty much. Um, so um, I'm very much um, well experienced in terms of dark rooms and sex life. <laughs> There's this uh, a club night, um, or a, a club called Kit Kat Club, and every Friday. Um, okay. Yes, I've heard of this place. <laughs> for, Berlin, uh, for Berlin Pride, we'll go to Kit Kat Club, and it is it is an experience. Um, so going back to that story of the homeless person pissing on um, on that poor that poor listener, um, there are people welcomingly uh, being pissed on and doing. That happens in there for fun. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, um, oh, every year I go back, it's the same guy uh, in the urinals every single year we go back. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in Bergheim, there was a guy who sat in the urinals asking people to piss on him. I wonder if it's just the same guy. You just yeah. <laughs> doing around. <laughs> Yeah. I'll, I'll get his name next time I go back and see if, uh... <laughs> <a> fresh piss <laughs> um, anyone else for any other um, funny stories embarrassing stories there's one other which I'll paraphrase um, yeah. I was in a nightclub uh, been looking at a guy that I fancied uh, all night and we were making eyes at each other I'd had quite a few drinks um, and was feeling pretty pissed um, and slightly nauseous. Managed to eventually start talking to the guy. Um, it was all going quite positive. I have mentioned that I was pretty battered at this point. Um, we ended up starting kissing and part way through the urge to bomb. Uh, oh no. Appeared. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that put an end to that with some of the sick going across some of the guy's leg. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and no, I'd love it if there was a name on this. Not that I would uh, name and say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it for the questions or submissions. I'm quite lucky. I, I, I'm, I'm very good at finessing myself, so I don't get landed in much mess, but or or do anything messy on nights out. But usually, I'm the kind of person that their best friends or the person people who are there with 
so many messy situations are happening. So I'm surprised that none of them are sort of emailed in uh, any of their... <laughs> you know what? I think I'm, I've had to like really plug on the socials that it is anonymous. If you do it yeah. with cat, we don't see any details. So I think a few people were like a bit, mm, should I, shouldn't I? Like, um, um, well, we have got a few other questions, but they're not on the clubbing, so we can chat about those at the end. Yeah. When, um, I suppose I mean, the other thing sort of, we sort of thought about, we talked about is um, there's sort of um, people of colour, sort of gay nights. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I haven't been to, I know there was um, Pride in Hackney, um, uh, which looked in videos like absolutely amazing. Um, but I mean, do any of you have any experience um, with nights? Do people have been to the nights or? Yeah, so I've um, I've been to quite a few queer POC nights. Um, I think we were talking about earlier, like um, the need for safe spaces and how important it is to have all these LGBT safe spaces. But it's also important to kind of acknowledge that, like. Uh, some of these spaces aren't safe spaces for particularly queer people of colour. Yeah. Um, which is why it's important that queer queer POC nights and these spaces exist so that um, queer POC people will have uh, other people that they can connect to who are like-minded. Um, they don't they experience racism like that experience I had to um, face in uh, that particular LGBT venue in South London. Um, and that's just like one example. There's been so many nights where I've just like experienced casual racism or just straight out racism. Um, and I remember the first time I like the first uh, ever queer POC night I went to was the night called Bootylicious. Uh, it used to be, it. Uh, it used to be Vauxhall. I don't know where it is now, uh, but I know it still goes on. And I, this was like years and years and years ago. Uh, but I remember the first time I went, and it was just such an incredible experience because I'd never ever been in a space where there were other queer people of color, that many queer people of color. Um, and it was such a, such a great night in terms of like the music, the vibe. Um, it was just like a really safe space in terms of no judgment. Um, and it, it's not like, a, I think if you go to like some mainstream clubs like Heaven, sometimes you can feel, um, you can feel like judging eyes and like people who are either over-sexualizing you or just completely not interested in you at all. And it's quite, that could be quite exhausting. So it's good to kind of have these spaces. Another another uh, another queer POC night, which is really sick, is um, there's a night on that um, called Urban World at Scala uh, in Kings Cross, um, which is really really sick. I think it's quite a big venue, so they have like loads of different rooms. They've got a bashment room, and a cafe yeah. room. Yeah. Uh, it's really 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 sick. I've been a couple of times. Um, another night called, it's called Pussy Palace. I've never been to Pussy Palace, but again, like I think it offers like a really really great space, which is like non-judgmental. Um, very, very diverse. Um, it's like loads and loads of fun, like great music. Um, so it's really, really important that these spaces exist, and uh, like more importantly than just the op- the space that they operate in, it's just that they just generally tend to be like so much fun and yeah. just like so just carefree and just vibey. Yeah, I think yeah, you're right. It's important because obviously if you grow up and you're LGBTQ, you're already kind of marginalised, and there's not that many of you, particularly if you're growing up in like a small town or a rural area or whatever and then as a person of color there's even fewer of you and then you've got mm-hmm. connotations of the typical homophobia which comes a lot across in the you know uh Bain community um and kind of like the religious aspects which can kind of tie in quite negatively but yeah i mean i didn't realize it was a thing until like four or five years ago um and like jay's kind of been educating me and i've seen uh queer brock and um Hardcock Live, 
I got life's Instagram's wild. I don't think it's a, a specifically quippy as C night, but it is like a really like inclusive space. Yeah. Mm. More just be be yourself. Yeah. yeah. It looks very uh, creative and it looks fun. Well, I can certainly get added to the list of uh, of things that we need to do once lockdown's over. Um, I mean, should we uh, sort of go on to the any questions that we've had through the Curious Cats? Definitely. Um, Let's finish up there. So, first one is: uh, Do you think that British football is ready for an openly out gay player? We've had. Uh, Plenty of fame players in the league and some of them have been the best players in the game for decades and we still struggle with racism in our stadiums and with our fans. I know we have awareness campaigns and education campaigns such as Kick Out and Rainbow Laces, but is there more we can do to make players feel safe and supported if they choose to be openly out in professional sport? It's a big one. Yeah, it's a big one. It it is a subject that has been um, probably talked about quite a lot, hasn't it, recently um, in sport. Um, but yeah, there, there is no one out uh, professionally in football. Um, Jay is probably the best one. Yeah, say Jay, you're, yeah, you're, it's your area. So. But me personally, before you speak, Jay, I just I would love to see someone out in football and tennis professionally, just so mm. it's like a, just safe for gay people to play those sports. Um, but Jay, give us some insight as to what's. Uh, so, so how how was the the question worded? Just remind me again, Leon. Sure. Um, do you think that um, obviously the British game is ready for an opening up player? Um, and it compares the fact that we've had fame players in the league and some of them have been the best in the world or in our country. But yet we still struggle yeah. in the stadiums and fans. And, you know, we've obviously got campaigns which help with that, like kick out and rainbow laces. But is there more that we could do to make sure they're safe and supported? And what does BAME players mean? The AME. Black and ethnic minority. Black, black minority ethnic. I hate the term babe, but that's just me. Yeah, uh, I've heard that actually. Uh, but um, I think this is like a question that I've, I've just heard like a million, million, million times. And sometimes I get really annoyed with the question, uh, but then sometimes I'm just like, you, you also need to have the conversation because um, I think if you look at it, it's obvious we don't have any gay or bi or questioning players who are openly out. Um, but I think the question kind of um, it, 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 it kind of puts pressure on the players, and it kind of puts pressure on um, on things which doesn't surround the players. And I think what we need to be focusing more on is, is how do we create environments where this stuff happens organically. Um, I think a lot of people are just like, oh, when we're going to have an out player? When we're going to have an out gay player? When we're going to have an out gay player? But like, if you look at the women's league, so there's loads of uh, lesbian and bi women who play who are openly out, but yet we don't celebrate them. So what makes it Where's the, where's the trade-off? Kind of, you got to, you can't not celebrate um, all the queer people are already out, but then just kind of really really focus on oh, we need a gay male out player, um, and a lot of the the conversation is all is always batted around sort of gay player, which is why I asked you uh, how it was worded again, because um, it's yeah, all it tends to always focus on a gay player, gay player, gay player, but actually, what if a player might be bi uh, and they might feel comfortable coming out? Um, those conversations and how they're framed um, can really, really like kind of erase some of the identities that already exist within the game um, and might be a little bit further along their journey and, and, and they might even help them come to terms with who they are as, uh, in terms of their own identity. 
Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, the focus shouldn't necessarily be on when we're going to get an outplay game below because a lot of the media will focus on that. But I think the more we should focus on is is how do we kind of create those environments where players can feel safe and supported and be their authentic selves. Because uh, there's going to come time where uh, players just going to be out because uh, ultimately they're just players. What they want to do is uh, play football. They don't want to be known as the gay footballer. They don't want to be yeah. known as the bi footballer. Uh, these are athletes who have trained their whole lives to to become a footballer or a rugby player. Um, in actual fact, they just want to they just want to play football. Uh, and they're on merit, right? Recognised on your yeah your talents and your abilities, not because there's some lab, label or potential branding opportunities. Right? I think you've answered that perfectly well, Jay. It, yeah. It's more about the environment for anyone to come out, not just gay, but by a trans player to come out and football. Um, so any any yeah, it's the environment. I think it's from like a broader perspective. It's definitely obviously we play week in week out, um, the three of us, and we, the homophobic abuse is still present, but it's pretty minimal now. Um, and then even going to like spectating games as well, the rainbow laces and the campaigns like clubs in particular have done loads to kind of try to eradicate that or uh, educate the fans about the types of language which is and not acceptable. And you know, like going back to the um, racism campaigns, anti-racism campaigns. Uh, I think it's getting there because now fans are more choice in terms of what things they might say in terms of like abuse for an opposition player. Um, I mean, we we went to watch a Watford game, uh, the Aston Villa, and one of the guys shouted at Jack Grealish um, because I think he got fouled and he's like, "Are oh, you diving poof or something like that?" And we're like, "Okay, you know, it's still present in for spectators, and there's still a lot more to do." Um, because that's the first type of insult that someone goes to because someone that happens to maybe care a little bit how they look, you know, yeah. is perceived as something negative. Yeah. Why I love um, Stonewall FC, by the way, um, and probably like support them, not only because of you guys and the players, and the football's not bad, um, but it's it, what I would love is to see the team keep getting promoted and say, imagine if they got to say League One or the Championship just to see Stonewall FC versus one of these teams and just the reaction from Sky Sports and media and places like that, just to see how, how that would happen and just be interesting to see. Uh, just one last thing I want to add about that as well. I think you sort of touched upon it, Martin, about like uh, tennis and how there's no uh, openly out gay male tennis player. And a lot of the conversation is very much like obsessed with football and this gay, openly gay footballer. But if you look at other sports, there aren't many other sports where they're in the top flight. So if you look at uh, Premiership Rugby, there are no openly gay Premiership yeah. Rugby players who are openly out. Um, but yet the focus is solely on football. And just because uh, a sport has had one or two players who've come out post uh, their career, uh, it almost makes people, it almost gives people the impression that, oh yeah, rugby has it sorted. Oh yeah, um, this sport has it sorted. But if you look at kind of the breakdown, like, this is an all sports issue. Like it's not just football and predominantly like team sports, but I think the media and a lot, a lot of the discourses would have it, would have people believe that, Oh, this is a football specific issue, but actual fact, like football are doing quite a lot to kind of tackle this and tackle these issues. And um, they're not there yet, but um, I think going back to the original question, I absolutely think if a player was to come out tomorrow, will they experience homophobia? Probably, but will their experiences be overwhelmingly positive? I absolutely think so because I don't know anybody who's ever come out. I don't know if you guys. I've never ever met anybody who's come out and has ever ever regretted it. Kind of, it, it kind of changed people's life from positive. No. Yeah. 
Yeah. Same beneficial. Um, we've got two more. I'll finish on the fun one, but we'll go with this one first. Um, it's worded a little bit strange. Uh, so what is the most frustrating thing as an LGBT person for someone that isn't? Uh, hold on. Let me try and see how they word it. It is worded really badly. Um, it may have just been written in a rush. Okay, this is what I think it means. What's the most frustrating person for being an LGBT person uh, when you're dealing with someone who is straight um, and they're trying to be nice, relatable, accepting, but all their actions are actually the opposite of that. Okay. Hmm. Um, I don't think I've had any sort of, I think as you've just touched on before, Jay, I think after coming out in sort of my interactions with all my sort of straight friends and, and people I've encountered that have fortunately been very positive. Um, and I don't think anyone is particularly um, in a way where they've tried to be relatable caused me any offence. But, I mean, I'm not, I don't know, has anyone else had that experience? I think you're right. But, like, before coming out, you'd take, I'd take offence to what someone was saying or the way I said it just because there's a defence mechanism because I'm not happy with coming out yet at that time. So a straight person mimicking me for something. I just get angry for that. But if I'm coming out, I say I'm out now. Yeah, I don't think I've had that that problem yet, actually. No, neither. no, I mean, personally, I think prior to coming out, you know, people say things, maybe not directly myself, but, you know, you might get a bit touchy on that subject. But I think as long as you're not, as long as you're part of the joke and not of the joke, um, you know, it's fine, really. But. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I think... Which is one of the things that I've tried to like unpick. Like the older I've got, and the more I've understood kind of these oppressive structures, like racism, sexism. I think like the older I've gotten, the more that I've been able to identify when things have been homophobic or when people have been uncomfortable around me when I was younger. If that makes sense. So I, I look back on it now, and maybe I wasn't like I'm a little bit more sensitive to it now, but maybe I wasn't clued up. So like at uni, I could I, I could definitely think of some examples where someone was verbally accepting but like their actions were a bit like oh shit actually I, I, I'm not entirely comfortable in this situation this scenario yeah I think yeah it's probably important to educate I mean I had a couple of experiences in a role where people said some things which weren't like overly homophobic but there was definitely some tones there and um, then they immediately found out that I was uh, gay and they were quite educated people as well and they were like oh shit like i didn't mean to say it like that and then um you know to be fair to, to the credit they both apologized this wasn't like at the same time but um and they took some learnings from it and it was like you know that's not who i am and i was just making stereotypical lads jokes and you know not acceptable and you know i think one of them said to me he goes shouldn't just assume people are a certain thing you know because yeah. the default is Petro, right? So, for a lot of people. Is the, the only other thing that I'd say to uh, the listener who, who wrote that question is that, like, to me anyway, like, most people, uh, or most cis people, they, I don't think they are inherently homophobic. And I think, uh, particularly when we're talking about exposure, like, a lot of people, particularly when I'm to uni, like, I don't think most people um, were homophobic. They just didn't know how to deal with somebody who was LGBT because they've never experienced it before. So they don't know what to say. They don't know how to say it. They're scared of saying the wrong things. Um, so I just like encourage that person, if they're looking for advice anyway, just to like, um, 
obviously it shouldn't have to be patient, but like kind of understand that some people just need the tools and the confidence to be able to be more comfortable in those scenarios. Yeah. Uh, whereas like a lot of people, they just, they're just scared of saying the wrong thing. Um, so creating an environment where people can say or ask, ask you questions and make a joke if, if that's what makes them comfortable really, really helps. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Dan. That's yeah. quite enlightening. And um, I'm kind of just picturing that in my own world now and just that, yeah, people were uneducated. They're not homophobic. They're just like, they don't know how to deal with an LGBT person. And I think like my closest friends, I can relate that to them exactly. Mm. I met one of my friends got me, this is 2007 in A-levels and he had me for Secret Santa and he got me, um, you know, um, a calendar of firefighters, 2007. And I was like, okay, I secretly love this, but also like, fuck. Um, <laughs> shit. Uh, he really knows who I am, but I don't even know who I am. Um, he's dealing it with his own ways. Like, yeah, you'll probably like this, won't you? I'm like, no, I won't. What the fuck? And then I go home and do stuff with it. So, yeah, like it was a really great present, but I am just so relating that to my yeah. friends but they just they just weren't educated about it so yeah. how to deal with the person and I, I think on that as well it's just you've got to realize who you are um yourself and for sometimes people might assume that you are perhaps really fed gay or when perhaps someone is actually bi um, and is you know rather making that assumption um last question and it is yeah. actually directed at me but you can all i'm, I'm going to direct it back at you as well um it's, it's a simple one it's leon well, at Leon, what is your favourite type of shame cake? Um, <laughs> Leon loves to eat cake. I find him in the cupboards many a time, just eating crumbs out there. You know, it's, it doesn't even bang right, this, and it's—I don't know why I love it so much. I think it's because it's all the sugar. Um, Manor House cake. It's not even like one of the nicest one out there. By what is Manor House cake? It, it's, <laughs> it's the Mr. Kipling's one, right? Um, it's kind of like a fruit cake with um, sugar sprinkles on top. It's so basic, right? And I have got more of a cultured palate than this, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of like my go-to secret one where I'll just smash through the entire thing. Um, I, I think in secret, but... Usually no, Martin standing behind me, like taking photos, like enjoying yourself. In there, I see right? you, girl, eating that. You've scoop in the mouth. Um, so, yeah, to the rest of you, what's your favourite cake? Wow. Oh, I've just Googled Manor House cake and Leon, I am not in <laughs> No. <laughs> point here. <laughs> try it, though. Like, try it, that with custard. And it, it will kind of change. It's like it. one it pound day. Just give it a chance. I don't know why, but yeah. Ollie J, Martin, what are your uh, cakes? I'm a big fan of carrot cake, although I um, I did try to, I mean, last night, slash yesterday, I had a slight disaster. I tried to bake a upside down rhubarb uh, cake. Okay. Uh, oh, I saw a picture of this. It's, it looks <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> did it taste good? Yeah, well, it, it did taste all right, but it was just a series of events that just, it, I mean, it didn't, it wasn't successful. Basically, the whole thing was event that's up, like. <laughs> we had to queue for 45 minutes to get into the big waitrose because I didn't have a whisk. Um, got to the front of the queue, then saw on the floor that they said, oh, NHS staff can skip the queue. So I queued up 45 minutes and I could oh. actually skip the queue of my NHS card. They then didn't even have a whisk inside the shop. Um, so oh. I had to sellotape two forks together, which yeah. was <laughs> the same as making a whisk. Um, <laughs> and it's but inspiring. I like it. Yeah, it, was, it did work, um, but it just looked really basic. So I was like there whisking away of two forks, sellotape together. 
Um, and then um, I panicked, um, pulled out of the oven too early, um, and it just hadn't set properly. So when I flipped it over, it kind of was all like a bit mushy. So then I had to put it back into the oven, and oh, yeah, it was not hey. a great experience. And then after that, I actually found a whisk in my cupboard. Um, oh no! Oh, this is top DB, David. Oh, <laughs> love it. But I might go for it again because it looks like it'd be good if you can make it properly. Okay, you've got the whisk. You are ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> mine, mine is a carrot cake. It's my favourite cake. Um, and I'm, I'm ready to make one now. It's the frosting. It's the carroty goodness. Yeah. It's so moist and thick. I'm ready for it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, shame away. We're going to eat. Okay. Uh, I'm not really into carrot cake. It's quite bitty, right? I'm not really into yeah. that texture vibe. Um, I'm not really into cake in general, but I am obsessed with like you know if like you just bake a standard cake like a homemade standard cake mm, yeah I'm really really into that cake like what, that basic cake? yeah like, sponge cake yeah, yeah yeah I'm really really into that home baked gosh does the job for me I think okay All right. um yeah if anyone does want to submit any questions anonymously um it's curiouscat.me slash fresh tea hun Socials are the same, Fresh Tihon, and you can also slide in the DMs of the hosts or the, the account. <laughs> in, it's all open. <laughs> DMs okay. are open. On, the, on that note, thank you all very much, Queens. Um, I hope you have a, a safe and lovely week. And then, yeah, we'll catch you all next week for another, another episode. Definitely. Yeah, shout out to Adam as well for... Uh, yeah, uh, Cool. Thank you. See you guys. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>